The NFL draft. Well, again, they ruined it. Used to be great on Saturday, Sunday. Round one Thursday. Rounds two and three on Friday. And then the rest of the draft on Saturday. We'll have a lot to talk about on Monday. Noon straight up with Gresh and Keefe. Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline is our friend Tom E. Curran. Tommy is brought to you by Dr. Matthew Lopresti at Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tom E. Curran at 1-800-GET-HAIR. Tommy, good afternoon, friend. How are you? Good afternoon, fellas. How's everything? How about Very good? that uh, Patriots uh, trade yesterday, getting those fifth and sixth rounders to either move around the board or to take guys they're going to try to stash on the practice squad. I'm sure your phone lit up yesterday. Seismic. Seismic move. But your point is a good one. Are you trying to stash so that you have a little collateral to satisfy any points charts for any deals that you may want to make later? So it's worth having that in mind, though. By the time Thursday night comes, I'm sure, and Friday for that matter, there will be such a blizzard of activity across the NFL that where picks came from and where they went is going to be lost in the fog. Now, Tom, normally I'm really excited for the NFL draft, and that's whether the Patriots have a low pick, high pick, no pick in the first round, whatever. I I love the NFL draft. This year, though, even though we're getting closer to it, I'm having a hard time getting fired up, and I think it's probably the players that are in the draft. Maybe it's the you know where the Patriots happen to be. Where do you stand this year as far as anticipation for this draft compared to others? I think anticipation-wise for an event to see where Evan Neal or Trayvon Walker are going to go in the top five, it's, it's minimal. You know, the quarterback conversation, will Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, who's going to be going in the first round and where will they go? It's also secondary. There were five quarterbacks in the top 15 last year. And there was debate as to who was going to go where. And obviously Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence were locked in. But after the drama of those was, you know, completely intrigue free, then you had Trey Lance. Then you had these teams who had a shot at Mac Jones and and didn't take him. So all of that has been siphoned away. But if you're a Patriots fan and you are looking at the trees instead of the forest, you should be pretty excited because they can't go wrong. Every single position of deed, there's a glut of good players at. And really the question, Tommy, and you said this last week, right? It was, hey, if the Patriots had to go play a game now, it might not be the best team in the world, but they can go play a game. So there's the needs and there's the wants, and it feels like the intersection might just, they both might might be at the same stoplight, so to speak. I guess the question is, what is your best guess as to what the Patriots think are their needs versus their wants heading into the draft? That's a great question. And, and just talking about that with Phil Perry on our uh, Patriots Talk podcast, the goal every single year first is to win the division. In order to win the AFC East, the Patriots have to get faster. We saw it exhibited against the Buffalo Bills in, in the second two meetings clearly exhibited. Now, additionally, Tyreek Hill has joined the Dolphins, a team that the Patriots lost to twice. Speed is an absolute must for this team, and it was before last year even began. 
So while we look at offensive guard and offensive tackle as need positions that have to be addressed, and corner is a need position that has to be addressed, certainly with speed, there's middle of the field speed that they have to get after. Now, Would they do that at linebacker, even though that's not a premier position in terms of relative to offensive tackle or corner or wide receiver as, as it's becoming? They have to get faster, though, and they have to get faster on defense. So my best guess is they're going to up their speed on defense and don't be surprised if they take advantage of the deep linebacker class to do that. Now, based on you know win, trying to win the division and looking at the Buffalo Bills as the team that has won the division in the last couple of years, based on the current personnel and knowing obviously there's the draft and still time to add to it, are they in a better position to keep up with the Buffalo Bills or to slow them down? Like, meaning keep up on the scoreboard? That's a great or, question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think they're in a better position to keep up because I don't know how you're going to conjure up a secondary, even if you add a very good, say, Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame, who some people feel is a top 10, even top 5 level player, mm-hmm. drops, and the Patriots make a run and they add him. So he's a safety, or Derek Stingley drops to them. You're still only adding one player on the perimeter or the back end of your defense to a defense that could not keep up with Buffalo, with other teams as well. But on offense, you have five guys you throw to at wide receiver. You have two tight ends who should be able to be thrown to. You have a quarterback, you have a running game, you have holes on the offensive line. They're in a better position to keep up with the Bills right now than they are to stop them. Do you guys agree with that? Uh, I think I do. <laughs> I know, I because honestly, I don't think they're in a great spot right now I to know. do either. But based on the last time they played the Bills and they couldn't even force a single punt, I am kind of with you. I think I think their offense probably has a better chance. But then I, I go into this like uh, labyrinth trying to figure out how the coaching staff is going to impact Mac Jones and, and the play calling and all of that stuff. So I, I'm kind of torn on that, to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel where you're going, Tommy. I Look, I think people, if you're going to look at the individual talent in the secondary, it doesn't blow people away, but they played well. And it's one of the two things, right? Like you mentioned, are you going to add speed in the middle of the field or to me, Tommy, are you going to add another big body, which was a big part of the problem? Why did the speed mm-hmm. in the middle of the field get exposed? Because on the defensive line, you had guys who played well, but it was inconsistent. And that allowed Josh Allen and others to be able to expose you a little bit because you didn't have a 235-pound linebacker that can run sideline to sideline, which, by the way, not a lot of teams in the NFL have anymore. Right, and the Patriots have moved away from that, obviously, you know, or they've they've been all about that with their bigger linebackers. Even Jamie Collins pushes 245, 250. They brought him back because they wanted that. Now they haven't re-signed Collins. They haven't re-signed Hightower. They moved on from Van Noy, who's a bigger linebacker, even though he was their most productive in the group. Juwan Bentley, I think, is there to be their thumper, but they don't want a bunch of Juwan Bentleys. They're all set. So they need, you know, guys who can go sideline to sideline, you know, and, and just clear trash. I don't think they're going to go to the point where they're playing Tampa two with the Derek Brooks level, but it's probably not a horrible idea to, to transition that way. What's interesting, I think, is that the concern would be that, or at least historically, well, we don't want to get run over at the second level. Well, how many teams now have battering Ram running backs? 
teams have more battering ram quarterbacks, or at least the one you deal with, Josh Allen, mm-hmm. is a, he ran through tackles last year with Jamie Collins and, and J.C. Jackson, two of your, your better players, on a fourth and one at a key juncture in the game. And it's plays like that must have plays when a very good player and a formerly really good player in Collins get walked through. And you're like, what What else? That's a position we want. That's a situation we want. We have Hightower and McCourty in the hole against Jonathan Taylor against Indianapolis, and he beats us. And I don't think it was McCourty's fault necessarily. I don't think he's uh, a speed detriment right now. But with Hightower, it was. So you, you have to look at that and say, okay, we've got the wrong pieces to play NFL football in 2022 defensively. So obviously we've discussed many times how in 22 years, the Patriots and Bill Belichick have never drafted a uh, wide receiver in the first round with the exception of Nikhil Harry. And that obviously didn't work out. If hypothetically Mm -hmm. the highest, if they have their draft board and they have a wide receiver, whoever their highest ranked wide receiver is ahead of everybody else that is still available. Would they pull the trigger on a wide receiver at 21 or would sort of the current depth chart combined with history lead them to either trade down or actually go below the guy they have ranked to pick a different position? That's, <laughs> that's a lot. And it's all necessary to be asked, but if <laughs> Jamison Williams is sitting there at 21, for instance, or Chris Olave is sitting there at 21 and he's blowing away the other guys that you have graded out, I think you have to consider it. I think you have to, more than considered, you have to likely do it because it's a premier position. The Patriots paying $11 million to Nelson Aguilar, you know, in cap space mm-hmm. this year, 22-year, $22 million contract. He's probably going to have less than 50 catches. That's the going rate for that position. Yes, you might be m- missing on a linebacker who you're never going to spend six, more than $6 million for. So why don't you wait for Chad Muma? in the third round out of Wyoming and take him. So that's where the premier position and the, and the reconfiguring and the cap space aspect of it has to enter into the equation. You know, Patriots have a first round quarterback on a five-year contract at peanuts. So that's an advantage for them. Wide receiver, offensive tackle. Those would be advantage positions for them if they draft and have guys on lower contracts, and they can fill those other spots maybe second and third round. That's why I say they can't lose. You know, you can, you can either draft for value or you can draft for need, and you can still come back and hit those spots that you need to later. Are you surprised to this point the Patriots have resisted sort of reworking contracts? And it's not a standard business practice of theirs, but – there are some people that they could clean some things up. They have some leverage on some guys. They could probably get them to take pay cuts. They haven't gone down that road up and down the roster yet, Tom. Do you think eventually that is coming or the draft will be the leverage to be like, okay, we're either going to keep this guy, maybe shave his number, or we're just going to replace him with cheaper talent? Like the, the Patriots haven't really gotten into the whole restructuring contract game this offseason. No, it, it's a it's a good question because you could do that with Aguilar, but you're still going to accept a cap hit from him if he says, I'm not taking a restructure. I mean, he's a clear guy who could take a restructure right now. Um, same with Devon Godshaw. Mm-hmm. You know, he's in the second year. You could restructure him. He's a high-ticket item, played okay, maybe not to the level that he was. So 
you're, you're exactly right. You have to draft it a spot before sometimes you present it to a player. Do you want to, do you want to take a whack? But I also think that there's a mentality of we're not pushing money into the future either. If we have to overpay for this player this year, then we will. Like John Smith, again, he was peanuts last year in terms of what his salary and cap hit were. This year, I think he's got a $9 million salary, and I'd have to double-check on the cap hit, but it's certainly, I think, 13 to 15. He better produce at more than 27 catches. Or that is a glaring overspend when the guy's giving you $2 million worth of production. Tom, if the Patriots draft a linebacker in the first or second round, would that officially spell the end of Dante Hightower, or might he be done anyway? I think that it would most likely – they could always use him. But Hightower, since he's been 17, has worked for Nick Saban and Bill Belichick without cease. You know, his entire – more than half his life has been spent under those two guys. Um, last year, he was on a really big contract because the Patriots needed to pay him that because as he came back from um, being off in 2020, they needed him to be the nerve center of their defense. And he played just a little more than half their plays, I believe. So they look at that, I'm sure, and say, don't they, we can't. We, we, we would do three or four. So does he get his brain around that if they have him back? I'm sure they'd like to have him back. We still can do things for them and be a good leader, but I would say it's probably more likely than not that he wouldn't be. Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston with us on the Harbor One Hotline. Tommy, thanks a bunch. Enjoy the draft. We'll catch you next week. We'll have a lot to talk about. All right, guys. Definitely. appreciate it. Thank you.